0: Amen. Come on, can you give God a hand of praise this morning? You can have a seat this morning. Praise the Lord. God is good. Amen. Hold on. Did I turn this on? One, two. Can you guys hear me? Yes. No, maybe. Yeah. Praise the Lord. God is good and God is faithful. So all those dads, happy Father's Day. If you're a dad, can you raise your hand a minute? All right, there's a lot of dads in the building. Happy Father's Day to each and every one of you guys. On our online campus, if you're watching and you're a dad, come on, just put something up there in the comment box, a little hand emoji or something so that we can uh, uh, recognize you. And uh, we thank you for joining this morning. Thank you, gentlemen, strong men, carrying this very heavy pulpit forward, amen? God is good. God is so awesome. I was thinking this morning, to the fact that um, today is actually the one-year anniversary of us reopening after the lockdown. Uh, this is the, the, we opened on last year in person. Uh, uh, we, the Lord gave us the name, or the way that we, we put it, was uh, Father's Day back at the Father's house. And it's been a year already uh, where we've been able to gather together in person. And we love the fact that you guys that are online can also join us. And uh, we welcome you. We know we have folks that are watching us locally in our city, as well as those from other places that tune in every single Sunday and worship with us. So we thank you for that. Uh, We're excited about what God is doing. And if today's your first time here or your first time logging in, I just want to take a second to remind you why 3W Church exists. See, our purpose and the vision of our church is to equip the body of Christ to live a lifestyle of worship that will cause change. Equip the body of Christ. And who's the body of Christ? Anybody that has surrendered their life to Jesus becomes part of the body of Christ. And we exist to equip you, to train you up, to give you the tools that you need to live a life that honors God. Did you know that everything that you do brings honor to God? As you go to work, wherever you work, you're doing ministry because people are looking at you. And when you have your daily encounters with God, people can tell that there's something different about you and they will want that which you have. And our example and our testimony is what speaks to who Jesus is. And so that's why we exist. And we love the fact that we get to do this every single week. We're also uh, getting ready to start a new series next week. We wanted to uh, invite you all to be a part of it, uh, to this new series that's launching next week called Summer Road Trip. And we're going to be going and navigating through different parts of the Word of God throughout the summer and uh, different destinations in our summer road trip, which means today is our last part of Potholes of Life. However, can I tell you something? Potholes of Life was renewed for a season two. And uh, we're gonna be having Potholes of Life season two uh, later on in the fall. And some of you th- th- that don't get the joke behind it, when we, uh, in Spanish, the translation for Potholes of Life is baches de la vida. And uh, it kind of became an internal little joke of uh, Ralph, our media team director. Uh, he was like, well, man, it sounds like a telenovela, you know, like, hoy en baches de la vida. And um, so, so we, 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 it got renewed, man. It's been picked up, and uh, we're going to go have ahead and have season two of Potholes of Life later on this year. Amen. who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? <laughs> If you're online and you're excited, put a hand clap in there as well. And, and as we've been in this series called The Potholes of Life, we've learned about a lot of different things. And actually, let me just take a second to remind you the definition that we put out there for a pothole of life. It's a depression in the road of life that can cause a hurt, a wound, or a pain in us or in other people around us. That's what a pothole is. A pothole is created through the rain and through the traffic going upon the road that causes the road to give way and it makes a pothole. And every single one of us, we go through stuff in life. And as we go through stuff in life, these potholes can come to thwart us from the plan that God has for us. And we've talked about a few different things this year or in this series. We talked about the pothole of discouragement. Anybody ever felt discouraged? (laughs) We talked about the pothole of fear. We talked about the pothole of repetition, doing things again and again the same way just because they worked yesterday, or the crazy side of it, doing things again and again when they have never worked. I was talking to somebody about that recently where somebody's just doing the same, same thing over and over again, and there's never been a positive outcome, and at one point you gotta look and realize, hey, that's not the way we've got to make a change. And as I was getting ready for today's pothole, I was reminiscing to when I was a child and I learned how to go on the monkey bars. Anybody ever been on the monkey bars? Anybody ever fallen off the monkey bars? You know, monkey bars are fun, but monkey bars take a certain skill. And I remember starting to teach my daughter Abigail how to do the monkey bars when she was about two, maybe two and a half years old, a a whopping like 28 pounds I think she weighed at the time, and I'd pick her up and put her on that first bar. And I started to try to teach her the process, what she needed to do, how she had to go and stretch forth and reach the bar in front of her. But in order to be able to get to the bar after that, there had to be a point where she let go of the bar she used to be on. And that's a thing that's very, very difficult. We get stuck on letting go of the bar that was behind us because we had security and comfort. And today I wanna talk a little bit about the pothole of living in the past. The pothole of living in the past. See, that's something that gets a lot of us. We get stuck in the past, whether it was a good past or a bad past, because this can go either way. I mean, I know some people that are stuck in the past, and they're stuck in the past that happened 25 years ago of something that was really, really good and nothing ever measures up to that. So they're just stuck in this place and they got to be able to let go of it or stuck in a place of hurt and living in that past. I want you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43, we're gonna read verses 18 and 19. Isaiah 43 verses 18 and 19 says this, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old." One more time. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. So leave that verse there for me for a second, because I want to break something down. There is a distinction between living in the past and remembering something from the past. And I want to be very clear on that. And I want to break down what this verse means, because it it can almost sound like a contradiction when I'm saying you can't live in the past, but you got to remember certain things. And this verse is saying, remember not the former things. When you begin to dig into what was taking place in the children of Israel and where they were at this moment, the word here and then giving the connotation in God through the prophet Isaiah saying, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. He was saying, stop only living in what God did in the past, what he did when he took you out of Egypt. You need to live in what God wants to do today. See, that's what verse 19 says. Behold, I will do a new thing. See, remember not, or don't stay stuck in the old, because I will do something new. And sometimes we're so stuck in where we used to be that we miss out on the new. We miss out on the new season. We miss out on the thing that God wants to do right now. And that's what it says. I shall spring forth, shall I? You not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now, if you're taking notes this morning, I have a few thoughts I want you to jot down as we deal with this pothole of living in the past. And the first one is this, living in the past stunts your growth. Living in the past stunts your growth. You are not able to grow when you are stuck where you used to be. If you're stuck in the place that was good. I mean, I said it a minute ago, This can happen to somebody who had a good situation or a bad one. And I gave the example this morning with baby Jeremiah. He's adorable. He's cute. And we got, he's, you know, growing up, he's a year old. And man, he's so cute when when mom or dad pick him up and, and put a bottle in his mouth. And it's adorable, right? It's like, oh, how cute. Can I tell you something? As amazing at that, as that picture is and that memory is, can I tell you there is a problem if he walks in here when he's 18 and he's walking around and all this stuff, and all of a sudden he goes and sits on Joel's lap and he pulls out a bottle and sticks it in his mouth? Can I tell you somebody, something that won't, won't Won't not get married. He's going to be stunted forever. If you continue to do the things in the way that it was because it was so cute or so good or so awesome, it stunts us from getting to the next phase of life. And you know what? He'll never become a grandpa. Joel, that is. (laughs) If they continue to only do what was so cute and so awesome. And you know, we do that sometimes. Oh, you know, we we say to our kids, oh, don't grow up. No, they need to grow up. Because if they don't, it will stunt their growth and development. And living in the past stunts our growth. Here's another thought I want you to downtown this morning. Living in the past destroys momentum. Living in the past destroys momentum. See, one of the keys to navigating the monkey bars is that When you're holding on to that first ring and you stretch forth to the one in front of you is actually the fact that you need to kind of turn your hips a little bit and swing and propel yourself forward to the other one. But if you stop moving and don't let go of that previous ring, that momentum shift will stop and you will be very difficult or hard pressed to get it going again to get to the next bar. It's why when people are doing the the monkey bars or or you see it on American Ninja Warrior, whatever that show is called, right? Ninja Warrior thing. They, they, They go. It's about getting momentum quickly to go from one to the other, to the other, to the other. Using the momentum to get you there. But if you ever get stuck, the momentum is killed and that's where then your body even gets very heavy and you begin to slip and you end up falling. Living in the past destroys your momentum. We need to stop the stopping of the swinging motion so that we can get to the next bar. I think of the children of Israel. The children of Israel were pretty good at killing the momentum to get to the promised land. See, you know what happened? Most of you know the story. They were slaves in Egypt 400 years they begin to cry out to God. God sends Moses, right? And Moses goes to before Pharaoh, says, let my people go. You know, remember the story? Let my people go. All the plagues come. God begins to create a distinction between the children of God and the Egyptians. If you go back and read it in the book of Exodus, you will see how the children of Israel did not have the plagues in the land of Goshen where they lived while the Egyptians were having the plagues. God made a distinction. And Moses, used by God, takes the people out of Egypt, and they get into the wilderness. And the very first time that something difficult arises. See, remember, they get to the Red Sea, and they've got the Egyptians chasing them from behind. Do you know what the response of the children of Israel was? They looked at Moses, and they said, were there no graves in Egypt? that you took us out of there and brought us to die here? They were stuck in the past. Then they they, they crossed the Red Sea. I mean, they've seen the plagues. Now they see the crossing of the Red Sea, and they get to the other side. They're in this place. They're they're, they're walking towards the promised land in what was supposed to be a journey of days, but took them 40 years. It's a good example of living in the past. See, because they get to the next place, and they look at Moses and said, but in Egypt we had... Hamburgers and hot dogs and steaks and T-bones and porterhouse and all the different stuff. And here we are in the desert. We don't have anything. We don't have any meat. We don't have any chicken. We don't have anything. God says, you want some chicken? I'm going to send you some quail. <laughs> and he sent enough quail to feed millions of people. In the book, The Circle Maker, Mark Batterson, Pastor Mark Batterson, he, he did the math calculation. The math calculation says that the quail must have been probably about knee deep to feed that many people. Quail are small. God made all the quail come, yet next time there was a thing, is like, but all we have is manna. In Egypt, we had, you fill in the blank. They get to a place, there's no water. In Egypt, we had water. They kept going back to the fourth, back to the past. And you know what, what that showed me? Even though they had been set free, they were still slaves to their past. And there are a lot of people living today a life in which they are free, but slaves to a past. Slaves to where they used to be. Slaves to their Egypt. Slaves to what happened to them or to their parents or their great-grandparents or their great-great-grandparents. They have been set free, but they're living as a slave to the past. And let me tell you something. Living in the past stops us from enjoying where we are today. Living in the past stops us from enjoying the today. We stay so stuck on what used to happen, what we used to have, that we can't enjoy the moment that we have today. And God has something new, and God has something for us. I remember talking to this gentleman several years ago, and this gentleman gentleman had come from a, a life where he had a lot. He had a lot of money. He had lots of houses. He had multiple boats. He had a lot. Now, I want to throw the caveat in there that he had acquired all of that in some, let's say, illegal terms and doing things that should not be done. Now, this person comes to Christ, this person is redeemed, forgiven, restored in God, but no longer has all this ill-acquired wealth. And every time this guy would see a boat drive by or you know somebody pulling their boat, he'd look and say, oh man, I used to have a boat like that. Or he'd and say, like, oh, I used to have this vacation home there. Oh, I used to have this. The only thing this guy would ever talk about were the things that he used to have And he couldn't enjoy the freedom that God had given him today. He could never build into what God had for him now, where you could grow and advance in today because he was so stuck on what he used to have. But can I tell you something? In what he used to have, his marriage was broken. In what he used to have, his children were in drugs. In what he used to have, he had all these problems. And now they're all free, but I want to live in the past. It stops you from enjoying what you have today. It stops you from enjoying the victories and the places that God is going, taking you. I mean, the children of Israel were not enjoying the fact that they got to the place of milk and honey. All they could focus on was that the giants were there. All they could focus on was the fact that in Egypt, they were just given the things. No, they didn't give you the things. You were a slave to the Egyptians, but today you're a slave to your past. We can't live in the past. Now, we can glance at the past. We can remember certain things from the past. And I want you real quick, let's read Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, this is what it says. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. Brothers, I do not count myself to have attained it, right? apprehended it, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. In other words, I see it this way. The Apostle Paul is writing, I haven't made it to the other side of the monkey bars, but one thing I know, that I let go of the monkey bar behind me, and I grab hold of the next one to fling forward to the next one and let go of the other one. Why? Because I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in Jesus Christ. If I go back to Abigail, teaching her how to do the monkey bars... We had this little monkey bar set in the house. It's a funny story. Cause you know, we got her that for her second Christmas. And um, I had had the bright idea that on Christmas Eve right after dinner and that she went to sleep in the dark, I was gonna build her swing set with the whole thing until I opened the box and saw there was 800 pieces of wood and it wasn't going to (laughs) happen. But anyways, the monkey bars didn't just get her to the end. The monkey bars got her inside the clubhouse. The purpose of the monkey bars was to swing and climb to the inside of the clubhouse, to the place where she could play and draw and go down the slide, to the place where she could enjoy and when I would put her on there, I would say, okay, now you got to swing forward. you got to go. you got to go to the next one. Why? To get into the clubhouse. And church, it is a picture of what happens to a lot of us. God has this beautiful clubhouse for us to enter. This beautiful life with purpose and with all the different gifts that he's given for us. And we're on the monkey bars of life, and we are afraid of letting go of the bar behind us and reaching towards the next one. And Paul is saying there, I haven't, appra- I haven't made it yet, but I press on towards the goal. What does that mean? If I slip off the monkey bar, I get back on it. If I can't make it, I just jump up and I start again. If I got stuck, I try to get my momentum and I start again. Church, we're going to fall. We're going to mess up. We might smack a pothole and need to get realigned. But the key is this. Our Heavenly Father will always pick us right back up and put us at that monkey bar to start again. See, that's what I used to do with Abigail. She would call out, Dad, I'm stuck. Okay. Okay and i'd come up and i'd hold her by the waist and i'd swing her to the all right, now you got to let go of this one to get to the next one you got you got to do it and that's what our heavenly father does to us he's saying get out of being stuck in that past to get to where i want to take you now remembering the past uh, and if you've ever been in a car and all of you probably have been in a car right i mean as a matter of fact if i were to ask you who has never been in a car nobody would raise their hand <laughs> But cars have this little thing called a rear-view mirror. And the rear-view mirror serves a purpose. To look at what is behind you so that you can change lanes, make the turn, back out of a parking spot, right? That's the purpose of it. But if you recall, the rear-view mirror is very small and the front windshield is very, very big. Why? Because what we need to look at is where we're going and not where we were. If you're glued to looking at the rearview mirror, there is going to be a bumper in front of you that will remind you of the purpose that you needed to look forward. And when you hit it, you're gonna realize, I should have been looking forward instead of looking backward. There is a reason it's designed that way Because you only look back to secure yourself and give you the right standing to change lanes into the place you need to go. It reminds me of King David. Before he was king in 1 Samuel chapter 16, he's anointed king in 1 Samuel chapter 17. Still just a young man. He hasn't become the king of Israel. And he goes to take his brothers who were out in the military. He goes to take them cheese and crackers and lunch and different stuff. And while he's there, he encounters the Philistine Goliath who is coming out every day to the children of Israel and defying them and saying, come on, send me one of your warriors. And if they they beat me, we'll be your slaves. And if I beat him, you'll be our slaves. And all of the children of Israel are freaking out. They're cowarding. They're, they're, They're hiding. Nobody wants to do it. Here's a leadership principle. Nobody wanted to face it because the leader Saul was afraid. And if Saul, the leader, was afraid, then everybody else would be afraid. Now... Saul, who was head and shoulders above everybody else in Israel, the Bible declares it. That's why they chose him as king. He was head and shoulders. He was taller, bigger than every other Israelite. He was afraid of the giant. And David got this righteous indignation because Goliath wasn't challenging Israel. He was challenging God. And David says, I'll take on Goliath. No one fear. David is here. That's what he said, right? And he gets everybody that begins to tell him, you can't do this. No, no, you're a young guy. This guy's been a man of war from his youth. You're not able to get all this. You're not able to do this. And they finally bring David before Saul. And Saul's like, I don't know. I mean, you're a young guy. He's this old guy. He's been fighting a long time. And David looks at him and says, Saul, let me not offend you. But let me let you know that I used to be a shepherd in my father's house. And when I would be in the field and a lion or a bear would come and grab one of the sheep and run away with it, I would chase down that lion and bear, and I would take the sheep out of his mouth. And if that lion or that bear turned around and tried to come at me, I would take it by the beard and I would strike it and kill it. He says this. The same way that I beat the lion and I beat the bear, I will beat this giant, for he has defiled the armies of the living God. Then verse 37 of 1 Samuel chapter 17, David says this, For God delivered me out of the mouth of the lion and the bear, and he will deliver me out of the hand of this giant. This is what David did. He drove down the lane and he checked the rearview mirror and said, yep, God had me when I fought the lion and he got me when I fought the bear. Let's go face Goliath because the rearview mirror reminded me that God is with me. I wasn't stuck in the field. I wasn't living in the field. I acknowledged that it wasn't me, but it was God in me. But looking at the rearview mirror, that glance encouraged me to keep going towards the fight. That glance filled me up to believe that I could fight the giant, not because I was good, but because God was with me. And can I tell you, every single one of us have moments in our past that have hurt like hell. But if we go back and look at it again, we see God's hand. And when you look at God's hand sparing you, even when an obstacle comes in front of you. I mean, think about this for a second. What David had to go forward, his next ring on the monkey bar of life was facing a giant that was nine feet tall. Why am I telling it to you that descriptively? Because the thing that you got in front of you on your monkey bar might be a giant, but you glance at the rearview mirror and say, If God was with me when I fought this guy, he's going to be with me again now. If God was with me when they said I couldn't have children, God's going to be with me now when they say I have got this problem. If God was with me when they said that I was going to lose it all, God's going to be with me now when I face this circumstance. If God was with me when my children were stuck on drugs, God's going to be with me now when I've got this problem. If God was with me when I saw this happen, I've got it now. Why? Because I glanced at the rearview mirror, and I saw the previous victory, and it stirred me up to believe that I can get to the next ring again, that I can get forward and I can stretch towards that call. I remember something that happened to me many, many years ago. I don't know how many of you here are baseball fans, and you play baseball, Aaron, and uh, any, any baseball fans in the house? Carlo Pelota, go Twins. He's a, he's a Twins fan. He's one of the only ones in Miami, but hey. As a child, you grow up, regardless of whatever sport you like, you grow up dreaming of that bottom of the ninth moment, right? If you're a basketball player, you grow up dreaming of three, two, one. Bah! You know, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about. You grow up dreaming of catching that touchdown right at the clock expired. You grow up dreaming of these things. And, and I grew up dreaming of bottom of the last inning, down by a run. You know what I'm talking about? And I remember playing in this game. We were in a softball league. It was a very important game, and we needed to win. And I had my bottom of the ninth moment. See, so I went up to bat, down by a run. Runners on third and second. That means a hit, ties, and most likely wins the game. And I stepped up to the plate with my whole 150 pound frame at the moment or whatever I weighed in the thing. (laughs) And I get up there and this ball comes and I swing and I make amazing contact. Line drive, screeching line drive, right above third base, hits the chalk, chalk flies in the air I start running towards first the third guy the guy third starts running home the guy from second starts running and all of a sudden the umpire goes foul ball (laughs) what right like like everybody our entire dugout is screaming at this guy I got a zero on my Christianity that day I I I like like Where did you learn how to umpire, right? If you read any rules of baseball, chalk means fair. And this guy looks at us and he says, Tisa, foul ball. What? No. Let it go. Let it go. No. They send everybody back to the bases. I go back up to home plate. I grab my bat again. I get in the batter's box and I'm so stuck on the fact that this guy said chalk was foul that the next ball comes and I hit it straight up. Comes right up to the pitcher, he catches it, game over, season over. We needed to win to make it into the playoff. It it was over because I was stuck on the unjust, bad call that wasn't even dependent on me when I had done my part. Wow. That's a picture of living in the past. If you stay stuck, oh, but it was, someone else, it was else. somebody else's fault. I did what I was supposed to do, and it was a bad call. Somebody else bl- did it. It, 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 it gets you to that place that then you miss out. See, I could have gotten back into the bladders box and thought about the fact, if I could do it once, I can do it again, and thought about the fact that we would be able to go, but I was so stuck on what had been, been taken away from me that I couldn't get to where I needed to go. Church, we cannot live in the past we can't live in what we could have had or what we used to have or what took place we have to press on towards the goal enjoying what we have right now getting to the places that God has for us as the worship team comes to the altar you know I want to remind you what have we been talking about in this series the ways that we combat these potholes is by seeking God is by listening to God, and it's by obeying God. Can I tell you, it's the same thing when we're facing the obstacle of the pothole of life, the pothole of living in the past. We need to seek God, call out to God, listen to God. I I was making the analogy to race car driving earlier. See, race car drivers, they have these rear view mirrors that have a little bit more angles on it, But aside from that, they've got a spotter. And if you've ever gone to a race and listened to the scanners, you hear the race car driver going to the turn one, turn two, turn three, and there's a voice that is talking to him that is saying, you're clear high, clear high, go. They're telling him where to go. And as they say that, the driver needs to instantly obey the voice of the spotter because in an instant, things can change. And that's us, in our road of life, we've got a spotter who sees the whole track, his name is God. And we call on him, and we seek him, and call on him. And he speaks to us, and he says, don't go high, you got a car there. Hey, no, 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 you've got room. Go, 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 go. And when you obey, you're able to get past the other cars and round the track to the checkered flag. And there's a checkered flag that's awaiting each and every single one of you. Every single one of you that are online, God has a checkered flag waiting for you. And the way that we get there is by seeking Him, listening to what He has to say, and then obeying. We need to stop living in the past. The past was good sometimes and there was good moments but you can't stay there because you miss out on where you are today. We can't not move forward because of fear. See, that was one of Abigail's biggest things on that monkey bar. Letting go. But if I let go of this one, then I only have one hand. But yes, when you get the momentum going, you will also have the next hand again. We can't, Stop navigating the road of life because someone tries to discourage us. We can't hit that pothole of repetition because it worked yesterday. No, we need to seek Him daily. Listen to His voice and obey. As Paul said, pressing on, Philippians chapter 4 says that you think about what is good what is pure what is noble what is praiseworthy if there's anything good in it meditate on those things and obedience to what god says will help us avoid the inevitable potholes that show up in our life let's go ahead and stand to our feet father this morning I thank you for your faithfulness and goodness. I thank you, God, for your mercy. I thank you, God, because you'd never let go of us and you're always with us. And Lord, I know that in a room this dies and with those that are tuned in online right now, there's some of us who are stuck in a past that we need to let go of. And Father, I pray today that we may let go of that past. Whether it was a good one or a bad one, that that place that we were that we may let go of it and simply glance at it in the rearview mirror to encourage us to continue to go forward. Father, I pray that we may surrender our will, desires, and thoughts to yours. And Father, that we may under, always understand that as we navigate that monkey bar, there's a clubhouse that you created ready for us to land inside of. Father, I pray that we're strengthened, encouraged to seek you, listen to you, and obey you. That, Father, as life happens and discouragement comes, that we may run to you, seek you, listen to you, and obey you. Father, as we face the pothole of repetition, that we will seek you, listen to you, and obey you. Father, as the pothole of fear comes before us, that we will seek you, listen to you, and obey you. Father, that that will be our response. we may get to the place that you have for us in Jesus' name. Come on, church, just lift your hands and worship him there for a minute.